Good evening. <clears throat> Thank you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I hope everyone's doing well tonight. Um, before I begin, um, most of the time, I think every time I've preached here, on a Sunday night, I am thankful and I, I just thank the church for allowing me to preach. Um, and as Josh Womble said, uh, Holly and I are soon to move. Uh, we have three more Sundays to go uh, before we head out. And um, we're really gonna miss Faradell. Um, we've had three kids here. Our church has loved our kids. Um, our kids love Faradell. I mean, for our kids to yell and scream every night saying church and they wanna go to church, um, I think that's a rare thing. Um, and it's just a testament to how much Faradell loves them and they love Faradell and we love Faradell. Um, so we're just thankful to be a part of this family and sad to, to leave, but still encouraged to know that the work will continue here, obviously, and uh, the Lord's doing great things in Faradell. Um, so let's get started. Let's uh, dive into Exodus chapter 20. Um, I'll read the verse and then we will pray. Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you are a good and gracious God. You are a truthful God. You give us wisdom. The scriptures say that your word is truth and that you do not lie. Lord, tonight I pray that your words would be proclaimed and preached through me, that, Lord, you would open our ears and open our eyes to what the scripture has to say, and, Lord, that you would sanctify us in your word, grow us more and more into the image of your son, help us replicate him, and Lord, we, we thank you for all that you do. It's your son's name we pray. Amen. So as we draw near to the end of this series, the Ten Commandments, and we focus in on the ninth, um, I do want to focus specifically on three key points. So as I'm walking through this, um, I'm gonna focus on three things. Um, concerning this voice, uh, this verse. The first is that God is concerned about our communities, our society, society. Second point is that God is concerned about our relationships with each other. And finally, that God is concerned with our relationship with him. And we're gonna unpack that a little bit more in a moment. Uh, growing up, I don't, think I can recall that many times I've actually heard sermons on each commandment. Um, going to Sunday school every week, being a part of the church, I think I've just learned the Ten Commandments out of osmosis, 
just being in this community, you just kind of know the Ten Commandments, right? You listen, you, you get taught this, and somehow you get this in your brain. We know that, or at least whenever I was growing up, that the first three or four had to do with our relationship with God, and the rest had to do with our relationship with each other. Um, the last six, or the first three, were summed up, and Jesus summed them up as loving God is the most important thing. Um, the last were just kind of listed off. Um, we, aren't, we shouldn't murder, we shouldn't commit adultery, we shouldn't steal, and we shouldn't lie. That's kind of how it was kind of summed up for me when I was small. That's how I remembered it for such a long time. However, I do, while that is not, while that's not incorrect, that we shouldn't lie, because we shouldn't lie, um, that's not really conveying the whole truth of what that verse is saying. So let's, let's, let's break this down, let's break this verse down into two parts and let's see if we can understand it a bit better. Again, it says that you should not bear false witness against your neighbor. And like I said, automatically we kind of jump quickly to we shouldn't lie. However, it is a lot more specific whenever it talks about this verse. They definitely could have been a little bit more vague concerning this verse and included all lying or just all false witness, but the writer of Exodus wants to make sure that this is a ban against false witness, specifically against our neighbor. And these last two verses are a little bit different than the other six verses of, or the, the other last six commandments. The first, if you look back in Exodus, after the, the Sabbath, we are supposed to honor a mother and fa father. We shouldn't commit murder. You shall not commit adultery in verse 14. Verse 15, you shall not steal. And then verse 16, it's introduced this idea that we should not do this against our neighbor. Verse 17, follows that up. We should not covet against our neighbor. So the writer wants us to see something very spe uh, specific about this verse. What's it trying to tell us? First, the first question that we need to unpack is what does it mean to be a witness? If we just break this verse into two parts, we shouldn't bear false witness. It'd be good for us to understand what a witness is. A witness is mentioned often within our Christian lives and is a major theme within the Old and New Testament. If you would, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 12. First Samuel chapter 12, beginning in verse 5. And he said to them, the Lord is witness against you and his anointed is witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand. And they said, he is witness. And Samuel said in verse six to the people, the Lord is witness. Who appointed Moses and Aaron and brought your fathers up to the land out of Egypt? So God, and often God within the Old Testament, is seen as a witness, someone who is seeing and taking view of the acts of men. 
This is not the only time that God is considered a witness within the Old Testament. It's quite often, you can read it within the Psalms and the Proverbs, but God is used as a witness, someone who is viewing our, our works, our deeds. It's found within the New Testament as well. If you turn quickly to Acts chapter one and see in verse eight, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all of Judea and to the end of the earth. Jesus speaking to his disciples saying that you will be my witnesses. You will see what will happen and then you will go out and be my witness. And in the same book in Acts chapter 28, or chapter 26, we see Paul in verse 16. saying this, he's reflecting upon his own, his own conversion. He says, but rise and stand up, stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you. Jesus has appeared to Paul. For this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and those in which I will appear to you. So Paul, in chapter 26, is talking about his own conversion. Jesus is telling him that you are a witness to the things that you've seen. That's why he was sent out, because he was a witness. He, he saw it, he experienced it. Now he is telling other people about the things that he has seen, he has experienced. So plainly, a, a witness in, in this line is someone who has seen something or experienced something and now they can be a witness to what, have, what has happened. They can convey it correctly because they were there, they saw it, they experienced it. Then the second part of the verse tells us that we are not to do this against someone specific. Again, if we look back in Exodus chapter 20, the other commandments are a little bit more vague. Don't murder, don't steal. We can all agree with that's bad, but this is more specific. We shouldn't do this against our neighbor. The author has a very specific person in mind. He could have just stopped it at false witness and that would have been fine. That would have accompanied, that would have said also our neighbor, <laughs> but he wants us to know not to do this against our neighbor. So if we're not supposed to do this against our neighbor, it would be good to understand who our neighbor is. Well, the scriptures speak extensively about who our neighbor is. Jesus in Mark chapter 12, when asked about the greatest commandments, he's summarizing the 10 commandments and he essentially boils it down to this. We are supposed to love God and we are supposed to love people, our neighbor as ourselves. If Jesus states that the summary of the 10 commandments can be summed up into two different sayings, love God, love our neighbor, it's important for us to understand who exactly our neighbor is. The scriptures generally, and we all can agree that our neighbor 
can be everyone. We must love all people and extend a helping hand to everyone. However, in this context, and we'll see this in a moment, neighbor is primarily focused on the people that we see and we live with every single day. The people that we know, our families, our friends, the people that live next to us, the people that we can recall their names at least. And why would the scriptures here be specific in this way? Well, this leads me to my, to my first point, that God is concerned about our communities. Our neighbors are the people that we are most likely to bear false witness against. You would think that that might be the opposite, but it's not usually the people that we don't know or, the, or that we don't know well that we lie about. It's the people that we, that we know the best that we lie and we display false witness. If you have more than one kid, like I do, you know this to be especially true. <laughs> my daughter, who just turned four, and my son, who is two, they spend as much time together as anyone that I know, probably more than me and my wife spend together. They love each other, but they fight a lot. Um, and it's easy to see them bear false witness against each other at such a young age. One night after dinner, as this usually happens, I hear screams coming from the kid's bedroom. And I run in and I see and both kids are pointing towards each other. Hazel saying that he hit me and Jari saying that she bit me. Both may be true, but I've seen them lie about both cases. I've seen Hazel say, look, I've seen them interact and then Hazel look at me and say, Jari hit me. And this morning, Jari points to Hazel and says, she bit me. And I was watching them play. And I said, are you bearing false witness against your sister? <laughs> and he looked and says, yeah. Of course, he didn't understand what I meant. But it's so easy to understand why we would bear false witness against people that we know. It's because it it benefits us the most. It doesn't benefit me at all to say that someone I've never met in a country I don't know lied against, or does this daily. That doesn't affect me. But if I'm at work, if I'm in my community, and it would help me if this person that I am against in a job, trying to get the same job, and I say this person's a bad worker, even though that might be false, that would benefit me greatly. So there's a, a real incentive for us to lie, to bear false witness against each other, specifically against our neighbor. And the Old Testament specifically is very concerned about this sin. Look at, look at Exodus chapter 23, a few verses after the 10 commandments. Exodus chapter 23.
Beginning in verse one, it says that you shall not spread a false report. You shall not join hands with the wicked man to be a malicious witness. You shall not fall in with many to do evil, nor shall you bear witness in a lawsuit siding with the many as to pervert justice, nor shall you be partial to a poor man in his lawsuit. And then it goes on to, to talk about how this type of sin perverts justice within a society. The Old Testament is very concerned about us bearing false witness specifically in a courtroom type of setting because it can lead to a collapse within that community. Israel saw that, we see that within our communities. We see that within other countries, we see that within other friendships, how if we lie and if we see lying and quarreling and all of these other things that happen, societies can crumble. And God's concerned with that. He doesn't want that. He wants his children to flourish. One more in the Old Testament about this. Deuteronomy. And the reason why I want us to to look at these is because the Old Testament is so concerned about this. Chapter 19 of Deuteronomy, beginning in verse 18. The judges shall inquire diligently, and if a witness is a false witness, so in Exodus we talk about how it tells us not to be a false witness. Deuteronomy now we have, if we find a false witness, this is what happens. If the witness is false witness and has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him as he had meant to do to his brother. You shall purge the evil from your midst. So the crime and the penalty of bringing a false witness in this community, in God's community, is that the the specific type of harm that was meant from the accuser to the accused is gonna happen now to the false witness. That's how God takes this seriously. We are not to be false witnesses because it can lead to a collapse within our communities. It perverts justice, as Exodus 23 says. The people of God and other preachers who have preached this sermon the last few weeks have have, have touched upon this, and and we know this, but it was written to a a people out out of Egypt. They are walking around the desert. They are about to go out and be in community. They are nomads. And we know from the scriptures that they didn't obey God all the time. They were sometimes mean and grumpy. And God knows that this is a particular type of sin that can destroy the Israelites. So he wants to make sure that they are concerned about not bearing false witness. We shouldn't bear false witness because we should care about justice in communities. Point number two, God is concerned with our daily lives. And this, of course, as we know, is not limited to a single courtroom. It expands 
to each and every one of us in our hearts and our daily lives. It would be easy or at least convenient for me if this only had to do with the courtroom because then I could just say I've never had to deal with uh, being a witness in a courtroom, so I've never broken the ninth commandment. We're fine, right? But that's not what this is contained to. Listen to John Calvin, what he has to say about this verse. He says, although I, although God seems only to prescribe that no one for the purpose of injuring the innocent should go into court and publicly testify against him, yet it is plain that the faithful are prohibited from all false accusations and not only circulated in the streets, but those which are stirred in private houses and secret corners. It's not just the courtroom that can affect us, it's our every single, it's our, sing, it's our everyday lives. The, la- the relationships that we have with each other, the people that we love, our friends, our spouses, our kids. And we've seen falsehoods and lies break up and destroy people's lives before. I'm sure we all know people who have been affected by rumors, false rumors, maybe even true rumors, spread among communities, hurting people, trying to see other people's businesses when it's not our business. This can hurt people's lives and destroy them. It can destroy our relationships with each other which is why God is concerned about this. James chapter three. If you wanna turn there, you can. James chapter three, beginning in verse five, says this. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a word of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people. We are made in the likeness of God. For the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. The writer of James says that our words can be poison towards each other. We can break down people, destroy relationships. We can talk about how we love God all day, but if we are using our words to destroy each other, to bring people down, to use it as poison, we may as well not be praising God. James says that should not be like that. Proverbs chapter 26 You don't have to turn there, but listen to what the writer of Proverbs says in verse 24. Whoever hates 
disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart. When he speaks graciously, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred be covered with deception, his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and a stone will come back on him who starts it rolling. Verse 28, a lying tongue hates his victims, and a flattering mouth works ruins. We see the destruction of relationships on how people use words to destroy each other. And Jesus has a stern warning in Matthew chapter 12. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, he says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak, for by your words you are justified. But listen, by your words you will be condemned. Jesus gives a stern warning about the words that we use, every careless word that we use. We will be judged by those same words. This is how serious Jesus takes the words that we say, every careless thing that we have ever said, we would have a good mind to think about the words that we say before we say them. And finally, my last point is that God is concerned with our relationship with him. So why is this important? Why is this emphasized like this within the 10 Commandments? A person that commits false witness on a regular basis without repentance, it can be a sign that you may not have a relationship with God at all. And I don't say that lightly, but it is repeated within the New Testament. We've been told again and again, and this is true, I'm not saying that it's not true, that the first four commandments are primarily focused on our relationship with God, and the last six are primarily focused on our relationships with each other. But listen, if we are having difficulties with the final six commandments with each other, that could be a sign that there's a deeper heart issue, that we may not have a right relationship with God. Turn to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, verse 18. Jesus having a conversation about what defiles us says this, what comes out of the mouth, so the words that we say, the, the, the words that we say to each other and to God, the words that come out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. Seems like Jesus was repeating some of the commandments here. But if a person is continually bearing false witness, continually doing these things, it may be coming from the heart. 
And without repentance, there's no changing that. Josh this morning said that, is that our lives should be marked by repentance. That if we're doing something that we shouldn't be doing as a Christian, we need to turn a 180 from that and turn to God and ask for forgiveness. If you aren't doing that, but you are bearing false witness, it's more of a sign that you have a problem with God than you have a problem with someone else. And we need to reconcile that. And the only way to reconcile that is for God to give us a new heart. Because from the heart in Matthew chapter 15, those are where our words are coming from. They don't come from an outside source. The biggest problem with me is me. It's not you. So we need to focus on our hearts. And from that, our speech will follow. And if the negative is, is true, that we are not to bear false witness, that means that the positive of that is true as well, which is we are to bear true witness. We are to bear what is true. Listen to these words in John chapter 18 by Jesus. John chapter 18 and verse 37. Jesus is before Pilate. Pilate is grilling him, asking him many questions about who he is. And in verse 37, Jesus answers him as this. Pilate said to them, are you king? Jesus answered, you say that I am king. And for this purpose, I was born and for this purpose I have come to the world, to bear witness to the truth. So Jesus is a witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. So Jesus in front of Pilate makes this amazing claim that he bears witness to this truth, but more than that, that everyone who is of this truth, this same truth, can hear Jesus' voice. And just a few chapters before, in chapter 16, Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. If we are followers of God, we are commanded to be a witness to the truth. And of course, what is the truth? The truth is Jesus Christ. That's our ultimate commandment. And if the Ten Commandments are showing us anything, it's showing us, one, we shouldn't do this, but pointing us at something greater. What should we be doing? We should be showing people who is the truth. God is that truth. We are, showing, we are witnesses. If we are Christians, if we have been changed, if we have been, if we have been transformed by God, that, we should be a witness to that truth to every single person. God commands us that we are to imitate Jesus. And he did that as well. I know that I'm moving from verse to verse. And I'll do it one more time, I promise. But Jesus Christ, in his final words to his followers, 
we've read, read this before, but in Acts chapter one, verse 18, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all of Judea, Samaria, and in the end of the earth. Then verse nine, when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of sight. The last words of Jesus Christ to his followers, you are my witnesses, go. And that's the commandment that God gives us. Let us all look at our words, ask ourselves, are we bearing false witness in our lives? And how can we be a better witness to the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of who God is. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, we humbly approach you this night, praying that we would be good witnesses for you, that we would not bear false witness, that Lord, you would move us into all understanding of who you are, and that Lord, you would Forgive us when we fail you. That our lives would be marked by repentance. And Lord, that we would be followers of who you are. Lord, we love you. We thank you. It's your son's name we pray.